This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Box 13 is a syndicated radio drama about the escapades of newspaper man-turned-mystery novelist Dan Holliday, played by film star Alan Ladd. The show was created by Ladd's company, Mayfair Productions. Box 13 aired in different cities over different dates and times. It first aired in some United States radio markets in October of 1947. So to seek out new ideas for his fiction... Holiday ran a classified ad in the Star Times newspaper where he formerly worked. Adventure wanted, will go anywhere, do anything, write Box 13 Star Times. The stories followed Holiday's adventures when he responded to the letters sent to him by such people as a psycho killer and various victims. Like opening Forrest Gump's box of chocolates, Lad never knows what he'll find in Box 13. Desperate people who really do need the police, criminals planning to exploit Brown's uh, plot-seeking methods in order to gain cover for a crime, or people who are just plain crazy. Sylvia Picker appeared as Holiday's scatterbrained secretary, Susie, while Edmund McDonald played the police lieutenant, Kling. Now, supporting cast members include Betty Lou Gerson, Frank Lovejoy, Lorene Tuttle, Alan Reed, and John Beale. The dramas featured music by Rudy Schrager, Russell Hughes as well, who had uh, previously hired Ladd as a radio actor in 1935 at $19 weekly salary, wrote most of the scripts. Now, sometimes in collaboration, he'd do that with Ladd. The partners in Mayfair Productions were Ladd and Bernie Jocelyn, who had previously run the chain of Mayfair restaurants. Raymond Burr appeared in some episodes. And now, to tonight's first episode, and it's called First Letter. Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd, as Dan Holliday. Box 13, Box 13. Box 13, Box 13, Box 13. Well, this is great. Rain, rain, rain. I bet even the ducks wouldn't come out in weather like this. But me, I'm an idiot. I gotta go and take up a profession like being a writer. I couldn't take up something easy. Oh, no, not me. I got to be a writer so I can be out on nice, cold, wet nights. Beating my brains out. Looking for an idea. 
My dear. Deadline. Oh, sure. Mustn't forget that ever-loving deadline. <laughs> what a way to make a living. I could have stayed a reporter at the start times and had nice assignments. Like listening to political speeches. Or covering the opening of a new manhole. Oh, no, but not me. I have to write fiction. Do it the hard way. Well, I might as well take the usual hand, open the usual door to the usual place, and hear the usual comments. Hiya, Mr. Holiday. Hiya. Copy, copy, boy. Hiya, Dan. What do you say, Ed? This editor wants you. How goes it, Holiday? Oh, pretty good. Where's the makeup on page four? Hiya, Mr. Holiday. How are you? Hiya, Mr. Holiday. Hello, Susie. Anything in box 13? Box 13. Starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Now for box 13. Starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. What a character I am. Standing here in front of the wanted counter in a newspaper office while the rain runs down off my coat collar into my shoe. Mr. Holliday. I gotta ruin my last pair of... Huh? What's that, Susie? I said there's a message in box 13 for you. Here. Oh. Thanks, Susie. Don't mention it. Say, aren't you going to open it? Sorry. Not here, Susie. You know, you got all of us down here at the Star Times awful curious, Mr. Holiday, running that ad. Have I? You've been running it for months. Why don't you change it? Well, I haven't read it for so long, I've forgotten the words. How's it go? Don't you remember? Adventure wanted. We'll go anyplace, do anything. How about that? I still like it. You'd do a lot better with adventure if you ran your picture with the ad. Oh, no, thanks. Just keep on running it the way it is. But, gee, aren't you ever going to tell us what you do for a living while you keep running that ad? Susie, same old question, same old answer. No. Well, if I'm not doing anything else, at least I've got the people at the Star Times curious. They'd think my brain cells were ten feet off first base if they knew why I really run that ad. Maybe they are. Hmm. You can help a person out of great trouble and gain an adventure for yourself if you call Chester 8945 and ask for Carla Williams. Chester 8945. Carla Williams. Sounds like an interesting name. Well, I hope she's home. Hello? Oh, uh, this is the man from Box 13. Tell me, are you serious or was that ad just a joke? No joke, Miss Williams. Are you willing to try anything? Well, uh, that depends what's on your mind. I can't discuss it over the phone. Will you meet me? Of course. 
the little French restaurant down on Ledge Street. Meet me there in the cocktail lounge. Uh, what time? Make it 10 o'clock tonight. Tell the bartender you want to speak to Carla Williams. French restaurant on Ledge, 10 o'clock. All, uh, what block number? The 600 block. You won't fail me, you'll be there. Lady, if it were a winter, I'd come with bells on. <laughs> This sounds like the beginning of a very interesting story. Beautiful woman in distress calls on struggling writer for help. Only she doesn't know I'm a writer and I don't know she's beautiful. What's yours, mister? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm looking for a Carla Williams. Oh, yeah. She's sitting over there in that front booth. Thanks. Uh, Carla Williams? Yes. Oh, Carla Williams could be material for a love story or an adventure story. Or, uh, maybe both. And, uh, do you have a name? Oh, uh, yes. Dan Holliday. Ah. Uh, sit down. Oh, thanks. I'm, uh, agreeably surprised. I didn't think a person would get such a satisfactory reply from a warhead. And I didn't think I'd get such a nice replier. You're wondering about me, aren't you? You're wondering why you're here. Naturally. Well, I'm being blackmailed. That's a very nasty business. I've been paying blackmail for five years, but tonight's the end. I'm to meet him in 15 minutes and make the final payment and get the letters. Well, that sounds like the end of your troubles. But is it? I can't be sure. That's why I need your help. But what can I do? Well, you can be there as, as a witness. You can make sure this is the end. You can see that I get the letters and get away safely. Oh, uh, lady, you need the police. Why? To make sure everything I've kept hidden for five years comes out in the open? Maybe a friend could do it. My friends would be the last ones on earth I'd want to know. Are you afraid? No. You advertised for adventure? Blackmail isn't my idea of adventure. I'm sorry if my trouble doesn't measure up to your expectations. The best I could do on such short notice. Uh oh. Well, I guess I had that coming. Maybe this isn't your idea of adventure, but I do need help. I need help badly. Let, let's leave it at that. Now, that might appeal to my early Boy Scout training. Then you will? I always help ladies across blackmail wraps. Uh, what happens if your friend makes trouble? We can't make any trouble. He seems to have done all right for the past five years. There won't be any trouble if you're alone. Here, reach under the table. Take this. Oh, uh, now, wait a minute. It's a gun. Put it in your pocket. Don't let anyone see it. This is supposed to make everything all right? Well, you won't need it, believe me. I, I thought it would make you feel better. It makes me feel like a policeman. And I still think a policeman is what you want. But you promised. I said maybe. I have to meet him in 15 minutes. Please help me. Where do we go? His apartment. Far from here. We can make it if we leave now. What do you say? Maybe I should never have been a Boy Scout. Now, 
watch Carla Williams closely as we ride over to the apartment where she's to meet this man she's been talking about. She's perfectly groomed with a certain niceness about her, except for those twin furrows of worry between her eyes and a cold look of anxiety. I don't think I would like to have her angry at me, though. That's funny. You should have been here 20 minutes ago. Huh. Uh, why don't you try the door? It was unlocked. Might as well wait inside. Unless you have any objections. Not at all. There's a light switch on your right. The living room is straight ahead. Say, you sound like you're familiar with the place. Why not? I've been here many times before. There's a light on in there. Suppose he might have fallen asleep? Waiting for his money? Hardly. Well, this is more like it. And this spot is nicely furnished. With my money. But at least we can sit down and make us... Make us... Oh, no! Miss Williams, what's the matter? What happened? Got a flaw by the desk, look. You stay here. He's dead. Dead? Yeah, he's been shot. Once. Through the heart. I'm glad. I'm glad. He's the one? The man who was blackmailing? Yes. Would you... Could you go through his pockets? He must have some of those letters with him. Look in his coat pocket. Uh, just a minute, Miss Williams. You don't understand. This man has been murdered. We've got to call the police. Murdered? What makes you so sure? There's no gun around any place. Just the same before the police come. His pockets... Please, I've got to have those letters. Okay. But it isn't right. Are these what you wanted? Let me see. Yeah. Yeah. They're all here. Now, where's the telephone? We've got to get the police up here and fast. There is no phone. No? How do you know without looking unless... I told you I've been here before. Oh, yes, I forgot. Well, go downstairs. There's a payphone in the lobby. Tell the police to come up here right away. And come back and we'll wait for them. You're not planning to leave while I'm downstairs, are you? No. Here, here's a nickel. Just dial O and tell the operator you want the police. Hurry. But you, you'll be here. Call, I said. <laughs> adventure, so I put an ad in a newspaper. And I certainly found what I wanted. Only this isn't good. The man is lying dead on the floor of this apartment. And Carla Williams and I will have to get down to the police headquarters and answer a million questions. All of them embarrassing. Uh, I hope she's made the calls. Say, that's funny. Why would there be a telephone directory in a place where there's no phone? Or maybe there is one. Of course, right here in the hallway. I wonder why she said there was no phone here. Maybe it's been disconnected. Hmm. Operator. This is the operator. Oh, fine. A dozen stories like this. And whenever I've reached this point, the hero always finds that he's been framed. <laughs> framed? The gun. Yeah, I'm going to 
look at that gun. Better find out if it's been fired. One shot has been fired. And the police surgeon will probably find a bullet from this gun in that dead man's body. The police. Seems like little Carla took care of that. Me, I'm going to take care of something else. I'm leaving. You are listening to Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Once again, Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Now I'm wishing I were half as smart as the heroes of some of my stories. I've got a murder, a strange woman, a strange apartment, and a strange feeling that this might not work out to a happy ending. What I need is a cab, a quick trip home, a short drink, and a long, long think. Sure is a rotten night to be out. Yeah, sure is. I've never seen such rain. Not so good. Cops are sure busy tonight. Sounds like it. I wonder who they're after. I uh, wouldn't have any idea. Could be a murderer, you know. Yeah, just could be. Just a night for a murder. Perfect. How come you got so wet? It's uh, raining. <laughs> I know, but how come? My umbrella needs recovering. You want the Normandy arms? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's your building up ahead, but it looks like you've got lots of company. What do you mean? Them's prowl cars, mister, all over the place. Oh, this is very nice. Carla Williams called the police and must have mentioned my name in passing. <laughs> I'm the type of interesting young fellow that any cop would like to meet, especially with a murder weapon in my pocket. Tonight, Mr. Holliday, I think you will sleep elsewhere. Want me to pull right in where all them cops are? No, they look busy, so maybe we'd better not bother them. Just keep on driving. But this is where you live, ain't it? I don't feel like going home tonight. I could shove them cops aside, you know. This is a legitimate hack. Uh, that would be fun, but don't bother you're the boss, mister. Where to? Uh, there's a place down on Franklin Avenue. 1612, I think. I know that place. That's the cheapest hotel in town. Yes, I believe it is. Hey, how do you know about a place like that? I got information there for a story. What a joint like that. What are you going there tonight for? To sleep. You writing another story? I'm living one. Living one? Yes, I left my typewriter at home. Well, Mr. Holliday, to what do we owe this great pleasure? Maybe you're just lucky. More research on the seamier side of life? No, not tonight. I'm looking for a room. A room? 
Might I remind you, Mr. Holiday, this ain't the Roney Plaza. Have you got a room? Any particular exposure you might like? The less, the better. I'm sure we can fix you up. That is, if you're willing to pay in advance. Buck, buck and a half, how much? $25, Mr. Holiday. $25? And if you committed the murder, it'll be $50, Mr. Holiday. Come on, talk straight. I don't want any trouble with the police. What makes you think I'll cause you trouble with the police? Little box called the radio. Police calls. They're a lot of fun to listen to, Mr. Holiday. Yeah, I bet they are. You'll be comfortable here and safe. I'm beginning to wonder if I could afford it. With your money? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. I wasn't trying to. Where's your phone? The one on the wall costs a nickel. Thanks. You're staying tonight, Mr. Holiday? Sixth and Victor, ten minutes. Right. Follow me, Mr. Holiday. How are you? Your room. This ain't the Roney Plaza, but the service is just the same. I've changed my mind. You're not staying? Your rates are too high. I'll drop in again after I've made a fortune. Now I know how the fox feels when the hounds are closing in. Hmm. Someday I'll have to write a story about a fox. Put that guy Burgess and his Peter Rabbit out of business. Hey, Cap! Oh, it's you again. Yeah, I get around, don't I? I thought you were set for the night. No running ice water. Six and Victor. Where'd you say you wanted to go? Sixth and Victor. But there ain't no place to sleep there. Oh, I'm not sleepy. I just want to examine a fire hydrant. Okay, mister. I'm glad it's your money and not mine. If we keep on, it will be your money. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Say, uh, is that tonight's extra lying up there? Sure. Want to take a look at it? Oh, yeah, thanks. That picture they got of you on the front page is lousy. What picture? You look like you was facing the camera through a screen door. Yeah, let me see that. Well, 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 this is just wonderful. Prominent writer named by police. Carla Williams accuses Dan Holliday of the murder of Harry Granger. Grief-stricken girl witnessed the murder of her fiancé. Well, nice going, Carla. It's your word against mine, plus the evidence against me. Now I know why they wrote that song I get along without you very well. Well, there's Six and Victor. Cruise on by. You ain't gonna stop? I haven't made up my mind. 
Looks like a couple of cops waiting around for somebody. That's the way it looks to me. That might be the law. Yes, they might be. What do you want to do now? Get away from here and find a city directory. A chap by the name of Harry Granger should have a home. And he should have stayed in it. I'm either just ahead of the police or right behind them. And if this game keeps up much longer, I'll be right with them. Yeah? Oh, um, Harry Granger lived here. He did. You the police? Well, no, not exactly. A reporter? I used to be. Come here, you. I wonder if you're one of them blackmailers. Just a minute, friend. My coat rips easy. No, I guess not. If you were, you wouldn't be here. Mind if I step in? Come in, come in. This whole thing's got me all upset. You don't say. Oh, uh, you said something about a blackmailer. That's what I'm here for. I came to help Harry get rid of those rats. You mean he was being blackmailed? For five years. I lent him most of the money to pay off with. I told him he was a sucker, but it looks like I got here too late. You heard what happened? Saw it in the papers on my way from the station. Have you told the police? Not yet, but I'm going to. Who did you say you were? I didn't say. You know something about this? I think I do now. I began to see the light when the city directory listed this place as Granger's apartment. Can I help? You might get into trouble. Well, how? Breaking into a woman's apartment. After this, I'll use a fire escape and more of my stories of the most interesting things about a building. Homicide will be out in the hall seeing that no one comes in here. Have to work fast, Holloway. You'll have to find something that the police weren't looking for. There must be something. Those letters, cards, that's no good. Look, look for the obvious. That's that's what I always have my hero doing. Let's see what's the obvious. For oh, the living room. Now let's see, that's where the body was. Nothing obvious there. On the desk. No, no. The table. No. The fireplace. Hello, hello, hello. A small frame snapshot. And I think it might be just what I'm looking for. My old friend, the bartender, and Carla Williams. And with your arms around each other. You know, you two make a nice couple, a wonderful couple. I wonder if they'll let you have your arms around each other in the electric chair. You are listening to Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. finally made it. I'm down at police headquarters in the office of a tall, gangly character named Lieutenant Kling. Of course, a few things have happened. Carl and the bartender were brought in, too. So much cooler than I am. Oh, those cell bars give you such fine ventilation. Holiday! Um, what's that, Lieutenant? I said you were a very lucky citizen. After what Carla Williams told us, we thought you were guilty. If she'd have told me that story, I'd have believed it myself. 
approving that she and the bartender were married put a crimp in her act as the injured fiancé. Yeah, you showed it up as the same old racket. Smart woman teams up with smart man to blackmail innocent citizen. But just the same, I think you should stick to your writing and let police work alone. Uh, Lieutenant, I'll have that printed and framed in blonde walnut. Hang it on the wall? No, around my neck. I'm glad to hear you say that. You may not always have a guy like this Grant who backed up your story. Oh, uh, Granger's friend? That's the one. Say, he's a nice fellow. Wants me to visit him on his ranch. Why don't you do that? Riding the range all day when I could be cooking in town? Uh, pardon me. Homicide, Lieutenant Kling. Oh, yes, yes, he's here. It's for you, Holiday. Oh, thanks. Hello? Mr. Holiday, this is Susie. Yes, Susie. Can you come down to Star Times right away? Well, what's the matter? There's another letter for you in Box 13. Oh, no, no, no. Should I uh, open it and read it to you? Oh, not now, Susie. I've got enough material to last me for a month. Three weeks of which will be a rest. Tell me where. Maybe I can come down and help you. You really want to help me? Sure I do, Mr. Holliday. Then put that letter back in Box 13. But, Mr. Holliday... Good night, Susie. Next week, same time, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Alan Ladd appears through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures and may currently be seen in Wild Harvest. Box 13 is written and directed by Ted Hediger. Original music composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. This is a Mayfair production. Stay tuned for Bud Abbott and Lou Costello next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to catch up on what's happening with Bud Abbott and Lou Costello as they get set to welcome Frank Sinatra. The year was 1945. So what was old Blue Eyes up to then? Well, Sinatra did not serve in the military during World War II. On December 11th of 1943, he was officially classified 4F, which means registrant not acceptable for military service by his draft board, because of a perforated eardrum. However, U.S. Army files reported that Sinatra was, quote, not acceptable material from a psychiatric point of view but his emotional instability was hidden to avoid undue pleasantness for both the selectee and the induction service. Briefly, there were rumors reported by columnist Walter Winchell that Sinatra paid $40,000 to avoid the service, but the FBI found this to be without merit. Toward the end of the war, Sinatra entertained the troops during several successful overseas USO tours with comedian Phil Silvers. During one trip to Rome, he met the Pope, who asked him if he was an operatic tenor. Sinatra worked frequently with the popular Andrew Sisters in radio in the 40s, and many USO shows were broadcast to troops via the Armed Forces Radio Service. One year before this appearance with Bud and Lou, he released I Couldn't Sleep a Wink Last Night. And now, Abbott and Casello, special guest, Frank Sinatra. E 
The Abbott and Costello program brought to you by Camel, the cigarette of costlier, properly aged tobaccos. See if your throat and your taste don't make Camel a first with you, too. Find out for yourself. Listen to the great rhythms of Freddie Rich and his orchestra, the swingy singing of Connie Haynes. And that little fat boy who, when he heard Frank Sinatra was going to be on our show tonight, said... Uh, hey! Costello, where have you been? And who's that fellow standing behind you? Oh, this guy. He works for me, Abbott. What does he do for you? Well, I broke my suspenders this morning, and he follows me around and holds his hands on my hips. Uh, you, you should be now. ashamed. You should be and ashamed take of yourself. the joke with you. Come here. Come here, Costello. You should be ashamed of yourself. Just look at the condition of your clothes. You know we're having Frank Sinatra on our uh, program tonight. You know that, don't you? Yeah. Now, how can you be so untidy? Oh, huh? I'm untidy? You are. Did you ever get a good look at Sinatra? That guy looks like a stand-in for a dust mop. No, 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 no. We'll have no insults. Sinatra is considered a very handsome man. Handsome? He's so skinny, if they wanted to hang him, they'd have to put the rope under his arms. <laughs> Costello looks hard and everything. Sinatra is very intelligent. He's a college man. He has a sheepskin. Why don't he wear a veil and nobody will notice him? Uh, you should be very glad that Sinatra is coming here tonight. We may even persuade him to sing for us. Abbott, if there's going to be any singing here tonight, I will do it. Not Sinatra. But, Costello, how can you compare yourself to Frank? Sinatra has talent. I've got talent. Sinatra appeals to women. I appeal to women. Sinatra makes $30,000 a week. I appeal to women. I, oh. <laughs> hey, Abbott, you shouldn't have invited that guy over here. It's dangerous. We're liable to be stampeded by a mob of dames. Costello, Sinatra's fans are not dangerous. Oh, no? When his last picture played in North Hollywood... Six ushers got the purple heart. Oh. <laughs> Talk to him. Will you please? Just talk, Santa, is all I ask of you. Listen, there's been crazy people hanging around the studio all day. One dame came in, and she had... What did she have? I can't read right. Let's see. Oh, yeah! One dame came in with a pot of geranium. Well, what's crazy about that? They were growing out of her head. Until I believe you're jealous of Sinatra's person's magnetism. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Abby. You are. I, I didn't know Sinatra had magnetism. That's terrible. Why? My grandmother has magnetism in her right leg. No, 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 you dummy. Your grandmother doesn't have magnetism. She has rheumatism. She gets stiff in the joints. Shame on you, Abbott. My grandmother never took a drink in her life. <laughs> I beg your pardon, gentlemen. Which one of you is Sinatra? Abbott, I'll bet this girl was sent here by Tommy Dorsey. Just a minute, Junior. You are addressing the president of the Pitkin Avenue branch of the Sam Sinatra fan club. Uh, madam, madam, please. The name is Frank Sinatra. Not in Brooklyn, it ain't. <laughs> Do you know that in my branch of the Sam Sinatra fan club, we got over 400 members, not including the groups? The, who, who are the droops? That's the men's auxiliary. <laughs> How dare you talk that way about Sinatra? Oh, his voice really sends the girl. That's nothing, kid. My voice not only sends them, but it wraps them up, crates them, and delivers them right to the door. <laughs> now, you see that, Costello? Women are crazy about Frank Sinatra. I can't understand it. When he was born, the stork delivered him to the YMCA. And what for? So they could build him up a little before showing him to his folks. Oh! <laughs>
Bob Campbell presents lovely Connie Haynes. My heart sings. My heart sings. When I remember little things. The way you dance and hold me tight. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, that ends that week. Oh, come on, please. You've got, you've got to stop making that racket, Costello. I told you, you're not a singer. Oh, I said so. I used to sing in a quartet with ten other guys. Ten other guys? Yeah. There are only four people in a quartet. No wonder we sounded so loud. Uh, Costello, <laughs> look, you have no business singing on the same program with Sinatra. He has a trained voice. He has technique. He has color. He sings in technicolor? No, no, no. No, but he knows the finer points, such as uh, breathing. I know breathing, too. I've been breathing for years. It's a habit I picked up when I was a kid. Besides, what makes you think so sure that Sinatra is breathing? I... Hey, Costello, listen. There, there's somebody at the door. I wonder who it is. It ain't Sinatra. He can't knock that hard. <laughs> uh, come in. Good evening, gentlemen. I have a special microphone for Mr. Sinatra. What's the matter with the microphone we got here? It's too wide. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What is this? Come here, big boy. Uh, I see you want Mr. Sinatra to be seen, eh? That guy could hide behind a wire. I wonder what Sinatra does with his red points. Everybody is allowed a little meat. 
Well, here's a special microphone, and be careful of it. Now, wait a minute, mister. I'd like to ask you a question. Well, what when, is it? When Sinatra sings, does he stand up? Of course. Alone? Yes, indeed. I'll be sure not to break the handles off his microphone. <laughs> Bye. Uh, 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 well, uh, uh, good evening, uh, sir. I'm Mr. Sinatra's nurse. <laughs> you, oh, 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 oh. You, you mean to say he's still got a nurse? Uh, Costello, there's nothing unusual about that. Uh, boy, didn't you ever have a nurse, young man? Yeah, but I let her go when I was six weeks old. And if she looked like you, I wouldn't have waited that long. Nah, look, don't mind, Costello. What can we do for you, miss? Well, you see, we always examine everybody who comes in contact with Mrs. Sinatra. Now, this little fat man here looks like he might provide a very good home for germs. <laughs> Keep my relatives out of this. Open your mouth, please. Say, ah. 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 Open your mouth. Ah. Ah. <laughs> All right, open wider. Ah. Ah. Wider. Wipe your feet off before you come in. <laughs> now, Mr. Costello, has anybody taken your pulse lately? No, I got it right here with me. Uh-oh! Oh, 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 what's the matter? I think I left it in my other suit. Costello, hold out your wrist and let the nurse feel your pulse. Well, I just met the women. We, we, we hardly know each other. Oh, don't be silly. Now, go ahead. What have you got to lose? Uh, give her your wrist. All right, there. You got it. My, this is strange. <laughs> what's the matter? This is the first pulse I ever saw with short ears and a long tail. <laughs> You're looking at my Mickey Mouse wristwatch. <laughs> Look, kid, does your face hurt you? No. It's killing me. <laughs> Telegram, Robert Costello. Telegram. What a, what a busy joint this is. I'll take the color telegram. Well, do tell, do tell. Well, all right. Uh, well, what does it say? I don't know. I can't read. Oh, give me, <laughs> give me that telegram. Let's see. It says, uh, "Dear Abbott and Costello, the Hasbrook Heights Sinatra fans will all be listening to your show tonight." Signed, Roberta Stockings. Roberta Stockings. Mm -hmm. That must be a high hat for Bobby Socks. <laughs> Bobby Socks. Well, say Abbott. Where is Hasbrook Heights? Boy, it's in New Jersey, and it's Frank Sinatra's hometown. What? He's from New Jersey? My home state? Well, that's right. Now, aren't you ashamed of yourself? All those nasty things you said about Frank? I'm in a terrible fix, Abbott. Yeah, you should be. Oh, whatever you do, don't tell anybody what I said, because it's liable to get to Harry James, and Harry James is liable to tell it to Benny Goodman, and Benny Goodman is liable to tell it to Spike Jones, and Spike Jones is liable to tell it to Margaret O'Brien, and then she won't play jacks with me anymore, just when I'm up to my fourzies. I beg your pardon, gentlemen. Frank Sinatra is here. Okay, just slip him under the door. Hello, fellas. Frank, we want to welcome you to our program. Well, thanks, boys. Yeah, Frankie. I was just telling Abbott what a nice guy you are. Yeah, I heard you. So you're up to your fawsies, huh? Well, any more cracks like that and you'll be up to your nexy and mudsy. <laughs> oh, he was, only... <laughs> he was only kidding, Frank. Costello loves you. Uh, he's from New Jersey, too, you know. Yes, sir. I'm from Patterson, New Jersey. Say, Frank, how far is that from Hasbrook Heights? To you, it would be about a 20-minute ride in a patrol wagon. <laughs> You know, for a thin guy, he's getting some pretty fat jokes. 
With your shape, I wouldn't talk, kid. Well, I may be a little bulgy. But remember, even an army travels on a stomach. Uh, if you get any bigger, an army will be able to camp on yours. Abbott, New Jersey or no New Jersey, this guy is asking for it. Costello, cut it out. Cut it out. And he's just my size. Never mind that. Twice. <laughs> All right. Look, you and, Frank, you and Frank should get along fine. You're both from New Jersey, and you should have a lot of... Friends in common. He's probably got a lot of common friends. Never mind that. Sure, Costello, you must remember a lot of the boys back home. Did you know Nat Hickey? Nat Hickey? Sure. He sat in the back of me in a second grade. He was a little short kid with a mustache. Ah. Uh... <laughs> you know, many's the time I played hooky with Hickey to play hockey. <laughs> and now you're getting hooky. <laughs> Frank Sinatra was coming here. Well, hello, Connie. Gee, I haven't seen you all since we worked together with Darcy's band. Well, I didn't know that you two knew each other. Of course. Frank and I are old friends. I knew him before he put on all that weight. <laughs> Watch those cracks, Connie, or you'll be up to your next year in Mudgee. Gee, Connie, it's sure good to see you. Say, if you're not doing anything after the show... How's about taking a little walk with me, hmm? Mm, I'd love to. Hey, say, that's a swell idea. The three of us can take a walk and we can talk about New Jersey. Well, uh, I'd plan to take Connie for a little drive up to Beverly Hills. Oh, good, I... good. That would be cozy. Just the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> then I thought we'd stroll through the park for a while. How romantic. Just the three of us. Then I'm taking Connie to Ciro's for a 20-buck dinner. Well, you finally got rid of me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I know that you all want to hear Frankie Sinatra sing, so I've asked him to sing for our camel audience a very pretty song, If You Are But a Dream. If you are but a dream, I hope I'm never waking. It's more than I could bear To find that I'm forsaken If you're a fantasy Then I'm content to be dream comes true I long to kiss you but I would not dare I'm so afraid that you may vanish in the air so darling if I
You sang Frankie Next to Lana Turner You're my favorite singer Silly Lana Turner can't sing She don't have to (laughs) But I did I like that dream number you did You know Frankie That brought back Memories of the past Remnants of my school days Costello You mean reminiscences Of your school days Remnants are rags Did you ever see My school clothes (laughs) I mean remnants The last time I was in Hasbrook Heights uh, Lou I stopped around To see my old schoolhouse just an ivy-covered old building. Gee, but it looked beautiful to me. Good. Glad to hear you say that. Because when I went back to Patterson, I visited my old schoolhouse too, Frankie. Mm-hmm. A little red building nestled in the woods. What a dump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding, Patterson. <laughs> Sometimes I wish we could turn back the clock and be kids all over again. Well, now, wait a minute. We can arrange that for you. Pretty rich. A little school day music, please. <laughs> Break it up. Hey, 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 break it up, kids. Here comes the teacher. Oh, just when the dice are hot. <laughs> Good morning, children. Good morning, Mr. Kilmarnia. We'll now call the rolls. Uh, Chauncey Abbott? Present. Oh, Chauncey. No wonder he changed his name to Bud. Uh, Connie Hayes? Present. Uh, Frank Sinatra? Frank Sinatra, are you here? Sunday, Monday, and always. And now the girls will return to their own seats. Wait till they sit down. Oh-ho! Wait till they sit down. I put tax on her seats. Lou <laughs> Costello, you may go to the blackboard and write, I am a dope, a hundred times. I gotta go to the blackboard and write, you are a dope, a hundred times? Not you are a dope, I am a dope. That's what I've been saying all along. <laughs> Hey, teacher, how do you spell dope? Frank Sinatra. Spell dope. D-O-A-P, dope. <laughs> wrong. R-O-N-G, wrong. Gee, it's a good thing I can sing, eh? <laughs> Lou Costello, go back to your seat and get out your homework. Okay. Hey, Abbott, I got a very tough question here in my homework. Who invented the steam engine? No. What invented the steam engine? What? That's correct. What's correct? Certainly. Look, all I said was who invented the steam engine. And I'm telling you who didn't invent the steam engine. I don't want to know who didn't invent it. I want to know who did. What? Here we go again. Look, I asked you who invented the steam engine, right? No, Wright invented the airplane. (laughs) What invented the steam engine? What's on second? Evan Costello, what are you two boys doing? We're breaking in a new routine. (laughs) Well, break it up. Frank Sinatra, name all the presidents of the United States. Uh, but I don't know them all. When I was your age, I could name them all. When you were my age, there were only three of them. (laughs) There were four, so there. (laughs) Now, we'll try arithmetic. Connie Haynes, do you have your arithmetic problem ready? Yes, teacher. Read it. 
A buys a barrel of apples from B for two dollars. He sells them to C for four dollars. C sells them to D for eight dollars. Boy, is H gonna get stuck? <laughs> That's the wrong answer. And just for that, Frank Sinatra will stay after school. For what? For me. <laughs> Do it. Then I insist on speaking to your father. Go ahead. He's sitting in the last row. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher, can I ask a question? Go ahead, Costello. You know, I've been reading this book, and it says that the bees take the pollen from one flower and bring it to another flower. And then they take the pollen from another flower and bring it to another flower. And then after a while, there's lots of flowers. Yes. Well, what I want to know is, where's Gypsy Rosalie playing tonight? <laughs> Costello, you're a disgrace to the entire school. No, he ain't, teacher. We kids are proud of Lou Costello, and we have selected him as the boy in our class with the forehead most likely to recede. <laughs> children, children, Frank Sinatra, I predict that both you and your friend Lou Costello will eventually wind up in the gutter. School's dismissed. <laughs> Boy, Lou, you know, those school days were mighty happy days. You know something, Frank? I like you. You're a nice guy. And I hope you're not jealous. Why would I be jealous of you? Well, on account of I'm a singer, too. Well, I'm glad to hear it. There's always room for one more singer on the radio. Frank, I want you to do me a favor. My mother is listening in tonight, and I know she wants to hear me sing, and also my Uncle Artie Stebbins is listening. <laughs> now, if you would sing a song with me, that would be a feather in my cap. Okay, take this piece of music and I'll make you an Indian chief. Now, I'll start the song and you join in when uh, I come to your part. Just give me one of the sheets or we're both (laughs) licked. I have your part marked in red. (laughs) A little man walked up and down, found an eating place in town. He looked the menu through and through to see what 15 cents could do. One. One. He could afford but one Meatball He told a waiter near at hand The simple dinner he had planned The folks were startled one and all To hear that waiter loudly call One Meatball One Meatball Hey, this gent wants one One. Oh, meatball. This is my line. <laughs> One. Meatball. You get, get no bread. With I lost my place again. Frank, thanks for coming over. It's been a lot of fun. It really has, bud, and I'm very glad to have met you. How about me, Frankie? Up until tonight, you and me were strangers. Uh Uh-huh. Let's keep it that way, shall we? (laughs) I love that boy. (laughs) There you are. Look, Look, it's our old teacher. Miss 
Picklemeyer and a sheep pickle. <laughs> no, I just couldn't resist coming over. Remember, 20 years ago, I predicted you boys would wind up in the gutter? Yes. Well, I was right. <laughs> Good night, Frank. Good night, Good night folks. Good night. Good night. Good night, Mother. See you soon, Mom. Folks, be sure to tune in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show. Brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Challenge of the Yukon, followed by the Bickersons. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.